This is Pace the Nation. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are back again in the heart of all things. That's Clarendon, of course. This is episode 271 of Pace the Nation. I'm your host, Chris Farley. And back again, our co-host virtually, it's Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? Yeah, that CJ interview, I was a little too close for comfort. You yeah. made me sit right next to you. Yes. So you drove me right back out of the studio. So, so I don't know. We're going to get re- you back. We're going to yeah. get you back in studio, Julie. I don't know what my get- return date is going to be. But. We're going to get you back in studio. But for today, we wanted to make sure that uh, everything was technically sound. So okay. Chris and I will work on the details behind the scenes and get you back in studio uh, next time. But we've got a big show. Uh, really excited uh, about today's show. Um, someone who is connected to, to both of us, the CEO of Brooks Sports, Jim Weber, is joining us today, and we're going to promote his book, It's Running With Purpose, How Brooks Outpaced Goliath Competitors to Lead the Pack. Uh, that book is available now as this podcast just is dropping here in early May, uh, you, so you can get that wherever books are sold. Uh, so super excited to have, I, I mean, I know Amanda's your boss. But super excited to have the boss of Brooks here on the show today. You nervous? Uh, maybe a little nervous, but <laughs> I don't think, I mean, Jim is technically everybody's boss. Yes. But I think, I don't know. We'll see. But he's not, that's not really how he acts and interacts with the right. company. Like, I don't know if he'd be comfortable being like, you're the boss. Right. You know? No, no, that's not him. All right. Well, we're super excited to have him on, on the show today. He's a new author, Running With Purpose is his book. CEO of Brooks Sports, Jim Weber, joins us next here on Pace the Nation. Pace the Nation is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has six stores in Northern Virginia and D.C. For the best running footwear, apparel, and gear, just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers running. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we are excited to be joined from Seattle by the CEO of Brook Sports. It's Jim Weber. Jim, how are you? Good morning. Hey, good morning, Chris and Julie. Thank you for having me. It's uh, oh, it's great man. to be with you today. Well, thank you so much for being on. Really excited to talk to you uh, about your book and about Brooks. Uh, the book, of course, is. Running with Purpose, How Brooks Outpaced Goliath Competitors to Lead the Pack. And uh, before we get started, Jim, I, I got to thank your, your, your employees, your staff who helped make this possible. Uh, we were out in Seattle. Uh, you had a number of, of retailers out in Seattle, and a number of these retailers listened to the show. So hello to all those retailers out in Seattle uh, a, few, uh, a, a few weeks ago, and and, and Rick was on the warpath. War I even got Dan to try to get you uh, on this podcast. And so big thanks to uh, 
Rick and Dan and Tamara, Jess Lyons, Adam, who's, uh, you know, with publicity and, and, and Mike Billish, of course, who, who kind of planted the seed with me. Uh, and Mike emailed me last night and said, uh, Chris, don't let us down. Um, everyone's <laughs> counting on you and Julie. So it, no, takes no pressure. it takes a village, Chris, to keep me above water. <laughs> well, you have such a great staff. You have such great employees. We do. Yeah. The best great team in the world. to be a part of. We have a great team at Brooks. The, the best in the world. Well, we're excited to talk to you about this book that is, as we are recording, it's about to come out. And by the time this recording hits, Jim, the book will be out there and you can get it wherever books are sold. Again, the book is Running With Purpose, How Brooks Outpaced Goliath Competitors to Lead the Pack. So how did the, the, the book, the idea of the book, how did that first originate? You know, it's interesting, Chris. I'm in, I'm going to call it my young 60s. <laughs> and, and I think I've been in a midlife crisis for 20 years now. But I actually, <laughs> I actually started writing a memoir for myself. And, and I, you know, I have three older boys and, and uh, four grandchildren. So, but I wanted, you know, I want to unpack my hardwiring. And I have hardwiring. And it just, I, I'm such a believer that, that people and companies as well are your creature of your experiences in life. And so, I was just doing some writing and, and uh, you know, kind of a memoir just to unpack why I am who I am. And I thought some sometime down the road, I'd share it with my boys. And that was seven years ago. Um, but the whole idea of, of, you know, telling the Brooks story is something I've also been thinking about for a while, because I just think it's, you know, it's a great um, sort of challenger brand story, turnaround story. Um, purpose-driven brand and, and culture-driven brand story. And it's kind of a, a well-kept secret if you're not in the running world. And so I, I, those two things together, you know, really getting the Brooks story out um, so that more people could appreciate it. And it is a case study at, at a couple different business schools. Um, so they've been, you know, they, there's people that have been kind of going to school on this journey that we've had uh, for a hundred and seven-year-old brand, I think. So, um, you know, all of those things together, I'd been thinking about it for a while. And uh, and so about two years ago, I thought, OK, time to sit down and do it. I was actually poked by I had a breakfast with Warren Buffett after the Atlanta Olympic trials two years ago. I flew back through Omaha. He had he had invited me for breakfast. And at the end of the, the meeting, he just said, Jim Brooks is a great story. You should write a book. And 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 that was it, Chris and Julie, that was that was all I kind of needed to push me to really write it. Um, Cause I think the Brooks story is worth telling. And, and you guys are a Berkshire Hathaway brand. That's why you uh, mentioned Warren Buffett, which is really cool that you have such a great connection to, to Warren. Um, I, I, and I, I was able, and probably Warren was one of the few people, but my, my uh, business partner, CEO, Kathy Dalby was also given a chance to kind of get pre-read the book. And there was a few things I want, I don't want to give too much away, but you reflected on your career path in the book and early dreams of becoming a professional athlete. I was curious, what type of professional athlete were you thinking you would be back, back in the day? So I, I grew up in Minnesota and, you know, the ice was everywhere in the winter. I mean, everybody I knew skated. I, I probably started skating on ponds when I was literally five years old. And, and so, you know, I got the bug early on hockey was everywhere you almost expected to play and and I just went at it I put everything I had into it 
And I wanted to be a goal scorer, right? I just wanted to fly up and down the ice and, and move the puck around. It's such a fun game because it's got fluidity to it and everything else. At the time, you know, the dominant player was a guy by the name of Bobby Hall, and he he played for the Chicago mm -hmm. Blackhawks for many years and then went on um, to open up the Winnipeg Jets in the new the new league that was founded. His son, Brett Hall, had a great career with Detroit. Yep. But I, you know, who wouldn't want to be an Ovechkin kind of player, right? Who's in your backyard. <laughs> there you go. I mean, the the shot go. that Alex Ovechkin has, he, he can, it's you know, he screw it up and down the ice and, and he's almost a, you know, out of nowhere, you know, his body and wrists move a little bit and the puck is in the back of the net. So, you know, that, that uh, it's a fun, fun game. And, and uh, until it was obvious, uh, I put all I had into it. It was fun to play. <clears throat> Jim, in the book, uh, you focus on six leadership principles. So I'm going to go ahead and read them out loud just in case you forget them uh, <laughs> or forgot them uh, versus own a niche, um, build a moat, solve for profitability, vision without execution is hallucination, lead authentically, and then the ultimate advantage is a strong culture. Um, can you touch on any of those for us? Like what really stands out for you among those um, six principles? You know, it's, it's interesting about these six things you need to do to be a whatever leader business or whatever. <laughs> and my publisher wanted me to, to have a list. And, um, and so I think the best books are stories. I really do. And Brooks mm -hmm. is a story. So I hope, I hope people that invest the time to read it, you know, will, will, will sort of follow the story. But I think this dist distillation of this list, these leadership principles for me are real. And I would say they're a combination of, of how I'm wired personally as a, as a leader in, in the business world, but also, you know, what's true for so many brands. I'll just take the number one own a niche. I think every category has a platform dominant player in it, seemingly, right? In retail, call it Amazon, maybe Walmart, they're different, right? But and our industry has those too. And and I think if you're not that lead platform platform player, you're a niche brand. Mm -hmm. You're a niche brand. And so I think that mindset in in a way, it's a more humble mindset, I would say, but that's what we did at Brooks. You know, we we just decided we'd always been a running brand along with everything else in athletic, but we we decided to plant our flag only in running. And, you know, what that mm -hmm. brings is focus, um, an opportunity to build a moat, you know, and, and uniqueness and distinctiveness around your brand and your company and, and how you compete. And so I, I think that's, you know, so true for so many businesses. As I was, you know, sort of thinking about this book, a lot of people said, you know what, What's interesting about it, Jim, is there's a lot more challenger brands out there, niche brands, than there are one dominant industry that's true. player, right? So, mm -hmm. so that that's certainly the game we've been playing, and we're trying to play it really well. We're trying to be Brooks, and the other things, you know, sort of fall out of that. I think, you know, um, one of the things I've learned early on, you know, it was about strategy, and it was our brand ethos, and just this focus, focus, focus on performance product service and the like. But what what sort of became true as you got bigger and as you started to scale and you added more people is that you really had to solve for execution. And the last three, you know, being authentic and, and having a strong culture is really how you drive, I think, execution across a team. It's business is a team sport. So so I have my list. I think they're all sort of, you know, part of our 
recipe, if you will, at Brooks. Um, but I, I, I also think um, for many, many businesses, they're, you know, they're, they're sort of a successful recipe, obviously, you know, employed differently for every, everybody's marketplace and situation. But yeah, so it's, I, I think they do reflect, you know, the playbook that we put in place at Brooks. And I, I love the list. And again, the book is Running With Purpose, How Brooks Outpaced Goliath Competitors to Lead the Pack. You can get it wherever books are sold. Um, really excited to that this book just came out. Uh, and again, uh, focusing on the leadership principles, uh, you guys commit to small businesses like Pacers. Um, and and what are some takeaways you think for some of these re leadership principles for, for a store like ours that is a specialty run store? Um, or is it just big brands that can take these principles or can we take these principles as a small retailer? I think, I think any business can, can take these. I'll, I'll just talk with about one, Chris, because it's such mm -hmm. a, it's such a puzzle for, for so many businesses. you got to solve for profitability and yep. that is not easy. It, it, it's not easy at Brooks. You know, we had over half of our products were really not profitable. When I joined the company, we were selling a lot of family footwear, mid-price shoes, and it was a huge part of our sales. So when you look at the whole, you know, business, you never want to let go of revenue. I mean, generating revenue is in some sense, one of the hardest things, yeah. but I think you have to mine for margin in there. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example, you know, at Brooks, we knew we had to, we had to become profitable in our core footwear products. Um, but I, I was my early career. Uh, one of the companies I was at was the Coleman company. And they developed this big barbecue grill business in the backyard, right? The margins on those things are horrible, but you know where all the margins are? They're in the utensils. Sure. So if you get if you get the floppers and the top, you know, <laughs> if you get all that business, there's great margin in that, and that and that's key. So I think you know in specialty retail, you see that, right? I mean, I think with all the competition and, and the way the market works at times, um, sometimes you know shoes are more profitable than than not. But the accessories business becomes key and just creating, you know, creating a successful customer relationship where they value. You have to solve that, you know, because it yep. changes, it evolves, right? You have to constantly solve it. But I think what I learned early in my career and, and I, I cut my teeth in the sporting goods world on the equipment side, the margins were tough. And mm -hmm. so you really had to solve, you know, for profitability because it was sort of easy to sell a lot of stuff at low price. And uh, and that was a discipline I learned early in my career is you had to find, I call them gold seams, where the customer, you know, would, would pay a fair margin so you could make money, but they still felt they were getting value. And, and solving that puzzle, you you know, is not it's not necessarily, you know, sitting on the table there for everyone to figure out. But I learned, you know, maybe the hard way after I, Brooks was the fourth company I ran. And uh, and I learned in the first three that, wow, you really got to solve for that. Otherwise, you just tread water. Right. You work so hard to, you know, to to create revenue and connect with customers. And if over time the profitability isn't there, um, you're, you're just not making headway with your in your business. So, yeah, I think it's a that's a puzzle that you have to solve. I love puzzles, but I think in every business, the challenge for the owner, for the leader to solve that is is real because otherwise you you're down the road three years from now and you know you're still struggling 
And and it's interesting because as you sit there, there's run happy behind you. You guys lead with run happy and not with profitability. We don't think of you guys as, but you got to be profitable to run happy, I guess. It's an outcome, right? Yeah. Profitability is an outcome. And, and there's so many things like that in business. I think uh, so many people get fixated on the goal of business is profit. Well, good at you. Go for it. Right, right. You know, because if that's all you think about every day, um, I, I would love to compete with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're focused on the customer and everything good in business comes from the customer, you know, putting the credit card down or whatever and, and engaging with your company. And so winning, you know, the customer focus is 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 where it ought to be. And, and that's what we've that's what I've learned. And so we wake up every day and, and we're trying to figure out how to earn the trust of runners. Yep. You know, so I think that's that's where it is. It, it is definitely an outcome. But for a business owner, for a business person, it's critical. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you have to solve for it. Yep. Uh, Jim, we're going to ask you one more question about leadership. Yeah. Um, this is not the end for you. Right. We've written the book. You've got years left. I want to know what five, 10, 15 years from now, what do you want to look back on and um, think of as your legacy and leadership? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm not wired into um, my legacy. I'm, you know, it's one of those things that's interesting, Julie, right? I, I think there's some famous people that have literally written their epitaph and their tombstone. Right. I'm not wired that way, man. I'm living in the here and now and trying to just soak in all that life has to bring. But I, I think here's the truth, right? The only thing that will sustain itself 10 years from now is our culture mm-hmm. or not. Right. You know, I think there's there's so much to be proud of in business when, you know, when you when you've you know, you've had some things that have been successful, you know, but but a progress, you know, you could be proud about a product or, you know, the size of a business or whatever else. But I think at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to sustain our brand is people and, and and the culture. And so and I wasn't wired that way 15 years ago, I'll tell you. And, you know, and earlier in my career, man, I thought it was all about the strategy and the, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the go to market and the focus and the brand. And, and of course, the business model, just connecting all those business dots. But to sustain that at scale, it's all about people. Yeah. It's all about culture. And so I think if, if, this, if this company is successful um, 10 years from now, and I'm looking back at it, that's what I'll be most proud of is that I was part of a team that built a culture that can sustain this brand. Yeah. I, I'm lucky enough to be part of this family. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think something that really stands out for me is, is in my role, I do a lot of recruiting. Um, and we've had a couple athletes come through the building in the last couple of weeks. And, um, it's some something that's so awesome that really sticks out to these recruits when they're first mm-hmm. touched with the brand is it's not big fancy presentations and um you know a lot of of uh shiny objects it's people and and that's the thing that they remark about the most when they leave the building and um jim a few weeks ago we had an incredible recruit come um visit with us and i sent a quick note to his staff in the morning and said, hey, if there's any way that Jim could stop by, awesome. um, the Beast will be eating lunch at yeah. uh, the Bistro. And um, we have this awesome recruit coming in. And um, Tamara, you know, tapped Jim and Jim came in and introduced himself. And that stood out so much. You're the man. So, That's yes. awesome. <laughs> so the recruit, that was one thing that he said when he left at the end of the day was, I mean, what an incredible company that the CEO cares Culture. enough that would 
walk in and just say hi and introduce themselves and the beasts know you and you know the beast. And I think that to me is, is part of your legacy when you talk about culture. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it, that's the fun part of the business. You know, I, I, I had uh, my first job out of college. I was a commercial banker and we had all this training on lending money to businesses and, and how not to lose money in lending money to businesses. And I'll never forget it. The, the, the gray haired chief credit officer said, and one more thing, you know, if the company that you're lending money to builds a building, watch out, they're going to lose focus on the customer. The business is going to go south and they're going to be sitting in this big Taj Mahal. I never forgot it. Julie. <laughs> the company is not the building. Yeah, it's not. The brand is not the building. The brand is everything good comes from our people. And so, yeah, it's that's that's something that, you know, we just know to be true. So it's it's fun to be part of a team. Jim, you are vulnerable in the book. Um, you talk about your cancer diagnosis. Um, it takes courage to to talk about those things, to get really, really deep. Uh, why is vulner vulnerability so important to you? Wow. That, that, that's actually an interesting question. I've never thought about it that way. I would, I would say vulnerability it isn't, isn't important to me, but what is, is just being real. Mm -hmm. um, I had a boss, um, and this is, this is on my personal stuff, which I'll get to, but I had a boss at Pillsbury and, and he was great, just a great leader of everything, people, business strategy. He's one of the top five execs there. I worked for him for 10 years. And I learned so much from him. And one time he, he's just in the heat of the moment and, you know, just 80 balls in the air and fires burning everywhere. And he was just a steady hand. And one of the things he said, and, and he said, I have to just tell, you know, tell exactly what, what I know to everyone I speak to, because I can't remember who I talked to and what I said. So if I was going <laughs> to BS people, I'd quickly be called out. And, right. and what, he was just real. And mm -hmm. so I, I think as a leader, that's so important. And then on the personal side, you know, I, when I, when I got diagnosed with cancer, it's just a shock, right? You, you just, mm -hmm. you, it's just a shock. And, and as I got through it personally and with my wife and with my boys and, and family, then came to, okay, what do I do at Brooks? Because mm -hmm. they know me well, I'm not a golfer. I'm all, I'm sort of an all in person. I, I just love to be all in at whatever I choose to do. I don't do a lot of things, but what I do, I'm, I'm sort of all in on. So how do I deal with this? Hmm. How do I, do I hide it? You know, they're going to figure it out. Right. And, and, and I actually got some advice on it too. And, and, uh, and again, I, I talked to Warren Buffett about it and he said, Jim, just put it out there, just put mm -hmm. it out there and tell people, you know, the, the reality of what you're dealing with. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to say, take some time off. You're going to have to work through all of the treatment that's coming with this cancer, but just put it out there. So I've, I've, I've always, um, you know, I've always, I've always kind of felt that way. I guess we're all insecure. Mm -hmm. I'm in, I've got a lot of insecurities. We all do, mm -hmm. but I got to the point in so many areas of my life where I'm not going to hide it. I'm just going to put it out there and, and I have enough confidence and trust that, you know, as I work through it, people are going to be with me. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend um, that, that, you know, there's something else happening, you know, and running, I think there's so much truth in running, mm -hmm. you know, the, the clock is the clock is the, there's just truth in it. Yep. And, and, you know, you can BS your way for a while, but ultimately, you know, your place at the finish line is well known to all. And so I think, 
you know, I'm just, I've always been sort of uh, matter of fact in the sense that um, Minnesota has a, uh, I think a real um, a, a, a connected human culture. It's not a podium culture, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, there's just, there's just not room, a lot of room for ego and hubris and um, podium standing, mm -hmm. I would yeah. say. So I, that's the culture I came out of. And, uh, and you just don't, you know, you don't, you know, it's not a tall poppy culture where you put yourself in, in front of everyone else. It's just, I didn't grow up in a culture like that. So you put all that together and, uh, and I just decided, you know, I'm going to be transparent about it. Um, um, because everybody's going to figure it out over time anyway. And then maybe they'll help me, you know, work through it as, as I have to. So, you know, that it's, it's a bit of my hard wiring and, and it's not that I don't have insecurities. I think, I think at a younger age, I might've been more guarded around it because, um, but I'm, I'm not young anymore. So <laughs> there's no reason, no reason to hide it. I would say, Julie. Yeah. I, to your point about, um, the parallels with running. I used to say this when I was coaching to my athletes, like there is no more vulnerable moment than when you're standing on the starting line. It is the product of your work. It is the product mm -hmm. of your efforts, like whatever you're going through in your life. Um, that's that moment when the gun goes off and you've got to make decisions and show up and, and, you know, kind of push the threshold. So I think what you're saying is so true and it is really connected into the sport too. Mm -hmm. Um, powerful yep all right so the book again we're sitting down with uh, jim weber uh the ceo of brooks sports running with purpose how brooks outpaced goliath competitors to lead the pack and just a few more jim this is awesome really appreciate your time this morning um so we i love the the gymisms the leadership stuff <laughs> and my ceo kathy uh, uh dalby does as well um just a quick quick story and then i got a question um i think kathy might have told you after the Brooks 100-year-old party, you guys, you put yourself out there. You said, we're going to be a billion-dollar company. And at the time, that was like a big, scary goal. And we just talked about how you put yourself out there. Um, and that, you know, and, 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 and so we took that on the plane ride home. Kathy and I wrote down some stuff on a napkin, top-line goals, and we smashed them. So thank you. Um, your, your leadership and, and your, your courage to put yourself out there allowed us to do the same. So um, you know, that was, that was awesome for us. Just wanted to share that. Um, uh, but I've, we also heard you talk about, and I've heard you talk about at this Brooks 100 year old party and other places that when you talk about running, you say nobody can own it. What, what do you mean by that? Nobody can own running. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's really unique, um, in my view, Chris. So look at, look at this running category, you know, it's an incredible sport as we know, cross country, track and field and, and add in trail and endurance and ultras and all the road racing. I mean, it's just, and it's lifelong, of course, but that's what makes running unique amongst any other sport out there mm -hmm. is it transcends the sport and it becomes an investment in yourself, fitness, health, and wellness, you know, sanity over the years. And, and you can stay with it. It's just, and, and therefore 150 million people globally run. Mm -hmm. you know, to compete or to invest in themselves. And so it's really a unique sport in, in that regard, because um, it, it's lifelong and, it, and it's broad. It's just huge. And so when you think about it, you know, it's just this collection of all these little running communities. 
and they band and disband and they keep churning and evolving. And so there's there's a 5K event in the local town and and people just sign up and decide to do it. Some people compete in it. Same with a 10K and a marathon. Somebody talks their their friend and run this marathon with me. I have to run it. I want to run it. I'm on a, on a mission to run it. Mm-hmm. Run it with me. So you've got all these communities that are banding and disbanding and people coming in running and then leaving and maybe coming back. And so and it's it's just so diverse. So you can't own that. And you guys have been in this business a long time, too, and in the sport. How many brands in my time over the last 20 years have said, we're coming into running and oh we're, my gonna, gosh. we're gonna take market share? Right. And it just makes me every laugh year. I know. Because I, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think you can take, you know, runners to you got it's hard to get runners to try a new shoe. Mm-hmm. And and so you, you have to build it and earn trust at the runner level. So my point on that though is you can't market your way to success with runners. You it, it, you, it's a, this combination of product and, and trusted product and fit, feel and ride. And, and then of course, innovation and, and evolution and, and performance mile after mile, stride after stride. And, and then the industry is complex. It, it just is. I mean, there's lots of places that runners engage to run and then shop and, and get advice and, and buy products. So when you look at the whole ecosystem of our sport and our industry, a, it's huge. It's mm-hmm. the biggest category by far in athletic footwear and apparel. It's the biggest category in all of sporting goods. <laughs> and that's the wonderful starting point that we're all in in this industry. But then you you just, you know, these, these sub, and, and guess what? It is not a virtual experience. It's yeah. not a digital experience. Yep. You can't digitize it. It is this human experience. And it's, and it's local. It's, it's a local experience you know, in your neighborhood experience and you're in your town and your community. So for all those reasons, you know, you could build these these um, these consumer direct brands that are really good businesses. And, you know, they have their own stores and they have their own, their own website and the like. They're, they're really good businesses, but you, you can't build stores as a company um, in Spokane and New York right. and, you know, you know, DC. Atlanta and Tallahassee, yep. you, you can never reach all, all the runners. You can't. So we, we just are a believer that if you start, you know, with the assumption that you can't own this customer, you're going to be more successful. You have to earn the customer. And so because of that, that's what, when you look at the running category, maybe it's unique like that. You know, if you're a golfer, there's a handful of places you go to buy your gear and that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're a brand and you solve for all that, you're, you're probably in good shape. That's not true in running. Running's big, and uh, and it's of course global. So you know, for all those reasons, I, I just think that you know, no one's ever going to own running as a mm-hmm. brand. That's a good thing, um, and uh, and because it's so large, it's a it's a wonderful place I think to to build a, a focused, customer oriented business in, like you guys have done at Pacers yeah. and. And like we're trying to do, obviously, uh, at Brooks. And and you touch on those micro communities, which I think are, are so cr- crucial. And man, how lucky are we to be in running, by the way? I mean, just uh, it, really, I mean, the way you talk about it just reminds me uh, how fortunate we are yeah. and be able to build yeah. these micro communities. Um, yeah. I guess that's maybe different. You, you mentioned hockey and, and golf. I, you're right. I think yeah. it is different. It is. It's very different. It's so much bigger. You know, I, I think the the SFIA, the Sporting Goods Fitness Industry Association, just comes out with their annual industry overview. And nothing is bigger than running and walking. Mm. 
for gear. I mean, it's the biggest gear category in the world. And and I think, for example, hockey and golf is maybe one tenth the size of running. Wow. wow. It's super small. And, and, you know, and so, yeah, we're, we're really fortunate. It's a great sport. It's a great lifestyle and it's a, it can be a great business. Jim, uh, tell us about other brands that you admire. So maybe not inside the run category. It could yeah. be outside the run category. But are there any brands that you admire or maybe even CEO stories that you admire? Wow. You know, I I think over, over my career, I've sort of been a student of great brands and then great brands that are great businesses. Sometimes you look at a brand and everybody's in love with it, but um, it really is probably can't can't sustain because isn't profitable or or it's just you know kind of a partial it's a partial strategy that hasn't solved for everything and i i do think one of the things that i believe in is you have to solve for everybody you have to solve for your customer for your partners for your employees you have to solve for your owners i learned early in my career you have to solve for all of them and it's this it's this multi-dimensional chess you you've really got to solve for all of it so so uh, there's a lot of brands that are that are easy to admire, and some are great businesses and some are not. And and the, I think the obvious ones, look at you know Apple has sure. a, has an income statement, their margins and everything else, and their loyalty, et cetera, and their product. I mean Apple's Apple's just an amazing story, and you know that the iPhones, I guess maybe the greatest product of all time in terms of size and margin and. Mm-hmm. and loyalty and all of that and they've got network effects in there and and you know it, it, they've just built an amazing brand um off the backs of amazing products off the back of network effects and and stickiness and and you know really creating an ecosystem that um people people dial into so that's just an amazing brand business story for the ages and and the best certainly of of my generation but, you know, there's others out there. And I think we, you know, in our own category of, of fitness, um, you know, Peloton created an amazing yeah. product experience. They just have. They've, they've created an incredible product experience. They haven't solved the business model. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I saw that, you know, and, and I think we've always felt in our industry, we had to do both always simultaneously. And we were private equity owned when I came. So it wasn't an option. Right. And so we've, but we've, we've tried to solve all of that as we went, but I think they're, they're an amazing product experience. You know, we're, I'm a music lover, so I'm a Sonos person at home. Okay. I've, I've uh, backed up the truck. I think I have, you know, I have, <laughs> I have Sonos music in most every room in my house, which I listen to it every day. Um, yeah. And so that's an amazing product experience. Um, and, uh, you know, so yeah, th- there's some there's some fantastic brands and products out there for sure, um, and but the ones that stand the test of time have solved for everything, and and um, certainly Apple is Hall of Fame. Well, you guys are uh, you guys are Hall of Famers as well at Brooks Sports for sure, um, and we're gonna get you out of here now. I, I just want to know, kind of, you know, what's what's next? I mean, this isn't this isn't write the book and go on a retirement tour and the speaking <laughs> tour, right? <laughs> this is you're still work. Like what's next for you? What's next for Brooks? You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I, you know, having, having people refer to me as an author makes me wince a little <laughs> bit because uh, I'm just humbled by people that are really, really, really good at what they do. And, and I'm humbled by great writers. And so I did my best to, uh, you know, to write, write down this story in a way that is, is hopefully readable for people. But 
I'm not an author, you know, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I, I love being part of a team. I love building things. And so, um, and you know, I think with some of the health issues I've had, I'm still moving. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not running much. I can do intervals yeah. and walk, run and, and I'm in the gym, which feels really good. So I'm, yeah. I'm taking in everything I can on, on the fitness side, but I'm doing what I want to do. And, and yeah. uh, I'm really excited. You know, we just named Dan Sheridan president. Mm -hmm. We've got a fantastic leadership team. We've got a fantastic, um, you know, global opportunity here with Brooks. So uh, I don't think I have energy for another, you know, startup turnaround, <laughs> you know, uh, blank sheet of paper yeah. and challenge. But being part of this team and continue to build the brand is, is what I hope to do. And, and, and you know, I'm going to tune it to, you know, where I can add value in my energy level. But uh, that's that's my plan uh, for as far as I can see. That's awesome. You inspire us, yeah. man. I, and, and Julie, I, I knew this, but he's got three. You guys have three boys. We have three boys. Mm -hmm. I mean, our, our boys are like, you know, five, three. And we're in the months. weeds. Yeah. Jim, Jim tell, us it gets easier. tell us it gets easier. Please. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it's maybe not. In. I, look, you yeah. have to soak it in because every age is unique and they come so fast. It's such a cliche. You guys yeah. know it. But, but you have to just soak in every yep. age that they're at because um, and appreciate what comes with that. You know, good luck when they're young <laughs> teens. My my wife, you know, and I would so engage with the, the middle schoolers. And how was yep. school today? Uh, yeah. Not a word as opposed to. We have, we have a five-year-old who does that already. How was yeah, school so, today? So, Fine. You know, it's going to be, uh, you guys will be, be have excitement and, and, you know, new things happening all the way through for the next 15 years. So soak it in. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah, there's nothing like being a parent. It's yep. one of the most unique roles in life. No question. And you can't really describe it, but um, you guys are in the middle of it. <laughs> we are. All right. Well, we, we thank you. Uh, I, I'm glad I, I learned something about Jim today, Julie. Commercial banking. I'm glad you didn't stay in commercial banking because <laughs> that was your first job. Out of, uh, you don't, you don't it strike me as a very commercial yeah, it doesn't seem yeah, like a very and job industry. is really weird because you work really, really hard to sell, 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 sell. But then when you get a loan, you have to get it back. So then you have to <laughs> work I quickly figured out it looked like a lot more fun on the other side of the table. So anyway. Awesome. Well, yeah. the, the, the book, get it wherever books is, are sold. It's running with purpose. How Brooks outpaced Goliath competitors to lead the pack. Uh, Jim Weber, the author. Uh, he's an author, uh, also the CEO of Brooks Sports. Jim, man, this was fun. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you for the time. I know you're super busy. It really means a lot to, a lot to us. So thank I you enjoyed so it. Thanks for having me. All right, there he goes. Jim Weber, CEO of Brooks Sports. He joined us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back after this. Pace the Nation is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has six stores in Northern Virginia and D.C., for the best running footwear, apparel, and gear, just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers Running. All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to CEO Jim Weber for joining us. And author. And author. CEO of Brook Sports, author of the new book that you can get wherever books are sold. Again, I'm going to read it out. Go get it right now. Running with purpose, how Brooks outpaced Goliath competitors to lead the pack. And they really have outpaced Goliath competitors. Um, awesome to sit down with Jim. Really cool for him to take the time. Um, 
learned that he was a commercial banker, as we touched on at the end of the interview. Learned a few other things. Anything you learned, Julie? Um, I liked hearing I mean, you his story about being a uh, wanting to be a professional hockey player. Yes. But I think yeah. we could guess that coming out of Minnesota, that, no that would be a... Uh, of sport of choice, yep. um, but, but cool to learn about that with him. And he's in it. I mean, he mentioned Alex, Alex Ovech, Ovechkin and everybody knows well, oh, he was touching on your heartstrings. I know. He, he was, that. that was very tactical. It was smart on his part. Very tactical. Uh, so that was, that was, uh, I'm going to buy three copies of the book now. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was awesome. Um, so we, we talked about a lot of stuff, business stuff, leadership stuff. I think he's one of the, the, the great CEOs out there right now. Truly one of the great CEOs out there. Um, a true leader. Whenever he talks, um, you know, it is, it is really, I'm fortunate enough to go to these, um, some of these events that they put on. You obviously are fortunate to, to work at, at the company uh, that he's the CEO of. So you hear him often as well, but uh, he is, he's awesome. So whenever he's on, CS, CNBC or CNN or whatever it is. I tune in. New York Times, I think, last week. New York Times. And Pace the Nation now. I mean, the the biggest, biggest media media spot of all. I wonder Um, if he was nervous as we were. Probably not. No, probably not. (laughs) I think he does this a little more often than we do. Yeah, Yeah, Um, true. But I I did want to say, like, I I know he is ultimately the the boss in, in the building. And, yes. um, but I did want to touch on his vulnerability and then just that culture piece too. Mm-hmm. You know, I told the story about him interacting with our athletes, but I will never forget, like he's had several interactions with me, um, since starting at Brooks, but I started during a pandemic, right? right. So it was a time where everybody was working from home and just, you know, later last year, I guess late spring last year is when we were starting to travel again. And I was able to go to Brooks, I think maybe once, maybe twice before I headed on to maternity leave. When I took a trip, I took my first trip back to Brooks, I think, uh, November of this past year. Mm -hmm. And I walked into the bistro for anyone who knows Brooks headquarters, our cafeteria is called the bistro. Yep. Um, B E A S T R O. So beast row. Um, and I walked into the bistro and Jim was there and he looked up and he was like, Julie, Oh my gosh, you're back. How are the kids? It's crazy. And I just like, it was so awesome. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, this is a place where I feel really like thankful and grateful to work because he cares. Like he knows my name. He knew we had three boys. Like he knew I had just come off maternity leave and it was such a vulnerable moment for me to just getting back on an airplane, like leaving my family behind for like my first trip. And I just remember that moment kind of being like, this feels good. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm working for a place where people care and it, there's obviously been many moments like that, but when you have that interaction with the leader of your company, it just feels different. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people in his position, you know, no offense to other CEOs might not even know who your name, your name. No, no. <laughs> I mean, so, or yeah. that I had come back from maternity leave <laughs> or know. that I have three boys. <laughs> right, and right. My youngest not, yeah, was born yeah. three, four months prior. Very, very cool. Um, I think I knew that they had three boys as well. I think I knew that, but it really crystallized. I, during the I knew that from that moment. Yeah. That yeah, was, right. That's how we connected. I said, pray for me. He said, I will. <laughs> yeah, because he's been there. Um, but I did want to, before we get out of here, I did want to touch on something about one of our, our kids that, that happened that was, that was relevant and exciting. 
So I have to share it with the Pace the Nation Wait, audience. so this is a story about our children, not about you? Uh, a little bit about me. Okay. A little bit about me. But, All right, let's uh, go. Let's get back. Let's our get oldest. Back. Our this oldest, has been too much about other people, so let's get so back our, to you. Let's get back on schedule here. Uh, so our oldest, um, you know, he's five. James. James, yeah, five and a half. Um, too young to really, you know, go for a run, which, you know, you and I, everybody asks us, when, when is he going to start running? Is he going to run? Never. Yeah, and, you know, we're, we're just like, if he wants to do it, great, whatever. We were out, um, you know, running an errand or something, and he's like, Daddy, let's go home and get London and let's take a run. And London's our dog, of course. And I said, sure, buddy, that sounds great. He said, yeah, let's take a run. He was really excited about taking a run. So he's like, let's take a run. So we get home and I thought he'd forget about it. We get home. He's like, all right, put your shoes on. And he grabs London's leash and hands it to me. And I said, all right, let's go take a run. I, I'm not sure where you were. Um, I think you probably had the other two kids doing other errands, but so it's holding down the fort at home. You, <laughs> so while I'm out gallivanting around and on yeah. a run with the kid. So we, we go outside and I'm thinking still, this isn't going to happen. He's five and a half. It's not going to happen. He said, all right, let's go. Um, let me have your watch. So he must see like these kids see everything. And they understand everything. So he knows that my watch is what I start with. So he's he knows like, that watch. when daddy goes for a run, it takes daddy like 20 minutes to sync his watch. Well, the GPS has got to his AirPods and, all. Yeah. and yeah, yeah. all this stuff. He stands <laughs> right. at the door for a long period right. of time while the dog is crying uh, to get out. Story, She's so desperate. So, so, he, so <laughs> he notices. It's not this like split second thing. It's like this right. 20 minute buildup by the right. door. So it's but impossible for him not to notice. Right. Go on. So I, I give him my watch. And he's like, pull up the map. So we pull up the map and we start running. And he's like running and I'm, he's telling me which way to go and running around all of Arlington. And we run a mile and a half. It was crazy. I was like, so I was so psyched. Now there was a lot of stops along the way. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Because he needed to take a break or. Well, no, he needed to check the map and see where we are. So you doing like, this on your phone or are you doing this on your watch? On our on on my watch, on the Apple Watch where there okay. is. So uh, he can see a map on the he watch. You can see a map on maps. You pull up your okay. maps. Okay. And he's we we put the what he called the popsicle, um, which was oh. the pen at our okay. house. Okay. And as we ran away, the you could popsicle. see the popsicle <laughs> getting further and further away. So, That's so cute. Yeah. So he wanted to run away from the popsicle and then run back to the popsicle. So you know, it was, it was a, it was a moment. It was a great moment. That's awesome. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you're taking my son out, um, empowering him with technology. So he's not actually enjoying the run itself right. or like taking part in the beauty of the run. Yeah. He's staring down at a watch to map, map. it all out. So <laughs> so next run, we got to go technology list and we got to see if he'll free. actually go. That's true. Uh, if he'll go for an actual run. If, we'll see how, if he's as excited. You're right. That's a good okay. point. But hey, it's a great way to get him going, you know? Got him going. I was really excited. So anyways. Um, I'm awesome. sure London loved all the, the Oh, stopping the stopping, starting, yeah. stop, starting. She was looking forward to my next eight mile run uh, for sure. <laughs> all right. Great stuff, Julie. Uh, thanks, uh, Chris, behind the scenes for making this one hot, uh, possible. Uh, again, the, the, the crew at, at Brooks, Rick and Mike and Dan and 
Tamara and, and Jess and Adam, uh, who, who put us over the finish line with Jim Weber. Uh, Jim Weber, the CEO of Brooks, he joined us today. He's, his book is Running With Purpose, How Brooks Outpaced Goliath Competitors to Lead the Pack. Uh, so go out and get that book wherever books are sold. Thanks again. Thanks a lot, Jim. Uh, great show. All right, Julie, great stuff. I think you did well enough to keep your job. Well done. Wow. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Appreciate your vote of confidence. I didn't All know right. my job was on the line. No, it was. Here we it are. Was. All <laughs> right. That's Julie Cully. I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace Nation. We'll see you next time. When you climb-